Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Widowhood podcast. I'm sharing my experiences as a young widow in this podcast, as a very as there's very limited information out there for young widows and widowers on widowhood. It's a taboo topic of sort, and that must change. Death touches all of us. It's pretty shit. And we would like this podcast to be an information source and a lead to someone in widowhood and an insight for their supporters. There's no right or wrong way, nor is this a guidebook. But hearing how someone else managed in the darkness has been helpful to me, and I'm hoping that this is uh, helpful for somebody else. My partner in crime here is Mel. Uh, she's one of the of only a few rocks that stuck by me through it all, and she couldn't really escape, though, because we're identical twins. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Mel, uh, and as Nikki's twin, we've been doing life together literally for our whole lives the ups and the downs, the whole kit and caboodle, really. Together, we want to increase the support available to young people who lose their partner and the support people around the person who's been widowed, who often feel helpless and don't know what to say or how to help. We will endeavour to share facts and information, not just chat. Thanks, Mel. I will be honest and open about my life in widowhood. I'll share the good and the bad and the in-between. I'm striving to move forward. And I hope that this podcast will encourage other widows and widowers to move forward too, remembering that it's not about forgetting our loves or not recognising our late partners, but rather it's about our own lives, the importance of actively grieving and living with intent to be able to laugh again and enjoy ourselves once again. So how about we start with how you ended up in widowhood? Okay, so Oki, my late husband, passed away in December 2019. He had glioblastoma. It is a brain cancer and it was the reoccurrence of a grade two astrocytoma brain cancer, which he'd had 15 years earlier. Did you notice how I just pumped those sentences out quickly (laughs) so I didn't have to really think about it? Yeah, look, you've got that down pat, unfortunately. Um, So... I suppose we should let everyone know that Nikki's an expat widow. She lived in Japan for 20 years and her darling, beautiful hubby, Oki, was Japanese. Yes, so after Oki died, I decided to move back to Australia to be with my family, to try to heal myself. Of course, COVID-19 hampered it all and I hurriedly sold the house and moved back in April last year. I had so much to do in the first five months that the reality of Oki dying only hit me once I got back. And I realised that I I had totally lost myself as well. You've talked about the effect that leaving Japan has had on your identity. Can you talk a bit more about that? Um, Yeah, you'll all hear about Japan a lot in this podcast because I moved to Japan when I was 20 and I'm now 44. I came back when I was 43. So it was 20 years of my life and all of my adult life. So for me, the Japanese way is my normal. Um, I've, I lived in small, small cities and rural areas, and I think I had a pretty authentic Japanese life. Um, moving home is wonderful, and I uh, have an amazing family. Um, but I didn't know how to do adult life here, which sounds ridiculous, but it's from little things like how do you go to the bank to um, getting a trolley at the supermarket, (laughs) 
<laughs> to going to the post office. Um, I'm lucky that my family loves Japanese food, so I still make Japanese food and, um, yeah, I um, miss speaking Japanese, but I'm actively studying and still speak to my brother-in-law and my niece and nephew in Japan and my friends, so I'm trying to keep the connection. Maybe you should just tell everyone about where you're at now and, and your journey. How's your journey going at the moment? At the moment, I've come to terms with the fact that Oki has died, which is a very difficult thing to say, but that's how far I've come. Um, I can look at photos again and I can talk about him. And my voice might go a bit funny when I talk about him, but that's to be expected, I think. Um, I'm doing well. I'm a full-time student. I want to be a social worker. I think my life experiences can help others. I hope they can. Um, and I try to actively grieve, which is coming to terms with my feelings and trying not to push them away and forget about them. It's, it's more about accepting and realising that how I'm, how the grief feels and trying to understand that feeling and hold it without trying to just ignore it. I think it helps me grieve. I was just going to say, what are your thoughts on um, the seven stages of grief, the old scientific, you know, uh, anger and whatever else they carry on about? What do you think about that? Um, I think most widows will tell you that they are total bullshit. Um, for me, I've noticed widowhood is, or grieving for me, is um, works on more of a, it happens all together. And for me, it's been a fog. It, it came in like a fog thing. So leaving Japan, I was just in this fog of having to pack up, which was great because it kept me busy. And the widow fog just stayed. I'd say for 10 months I had this intense widow fog, which really, like when I say fog, it's real. It fogs your brain. I couldn't concentrate. I couldn't make decisions. I wanted people near me and then I didn't want them near me. And I, um, yeah, I, you probably remember, but I, I literally couldn't decide what I wanted to eat, what I wanted to do, uh, where I wanted to go. I just couldn't make any decisions. And yeah, I think there was probably a period of time there where um, our mum and dad and myself became well mum and dad became the parents again making those everyday choices of basically you're going let's eat this we're having this making those choices so you didn't have to make those everyday little silly little choices because you actually couldn't decide things um, just the basics nothing massive but in the middle of all that somehow as soon as COVID was coming you um you did make the big decision um with a lot of wisdom to sell the house and come home and survive and thrive in 14 days of quarantine in a hotel in Sydney, which I have to give you credit for because I don't think that is easy for anybody, let alone somebody who is in a, an acute period of grief. Uh, and you did do that. And then, and then now, I suppose, this far on, you've got that intense secondary loss of and you know maybe if you want to talk to the people about 
what that secondary loss looks like? Sure. So I actually only knew the term secondary loss about a month ago, which seems ridiculous, but I think it comes down to the fact that not being able to concentrate properly means you can't read books completely and you have a lot of selective information gathering. So secondary loss is all the things that you lose when you have that primary loss. So for me, the primary loss was Oki dying and I lost my spouse. That's the primary loss. The secondary loss is losing my life in Japan, losing the culture that was normal to me, losing, leaving my brother-in-law and my two, my niece and nephew that I adored and we lived basically lived with for six years and losing that independence, losing the home that I owned, well, the bank owned, but <laughs> that I hopefully owned one day, um, losing my job and I loved my job, uh, losing all those other losses. It's losing yourself. I had to find myself again and I'm still trying to find her. Um, so far she's okay, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of soul searching really. It's this whole thing of who am I? Um, am I okay by myself? Do I, like it's little things, like I didn't want to cut my hair. Like it's ridiculous, but I didn't want to change anything because change um, change was, is, was petrifying. Whereas now I've come through that and I've cut my hair short again and I wear colour again and all my bright clothes and says me who today is in like the blackest of black dresses. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the secondary loss is huge. For me it was it's probably been the most intense of all because I didn't know what it was. I had all these feelings of losing all these things, but I didn't know it was called uh, secondary loss. So that's been a huge thing. Um, I just want to touch again on resources. So there are a lot of resources out there for widows, um, but there's obviously some that's, that are better than others and everything's works. some things work for different people. I've found a lot of comfort in um, Buddhist readings. I guess that's a way of explaining it. As somebody who's not religious, that might sound funny, but um, I found a lot of comfort. There's a particularly a man called Thich Nhat Hanh, and um, sometimes I might give you a little reading. This is a very short one. He says, healing is every step. And for me, I take that as healing my heart, my trauma is uh, every step. It's moving forward. It's not moving on, this whole thing of moving on. You never move on. You just move forward. Um, death happens to everyone. We all will face death of ourselves, of course, but, you know, the ones that we love. And, of course, my life hasn't worked out the way it was supposed to as far as the fairy tale but um losing Nawia was Oki was the most traumatic thing but um there's been some beautiful things to learn my um my family and when I say family I mean my extended family I have a huge family <laughs> as far as uh, aunts and uncles and cousins and my friends, I have amazing friends and I have friends that I would call family. 
um, literally held my hand throughout the whole year now Oki was in hospital. I have a good friend, Ange, who literally held my hand every day. And it's not easy and it wouldn't be easy. And Mel, Mel will tell you all about that. That anyway, healing is every step. That's my takeaway. And I try to live by that as much as I can. Well, you're just you're doing so well, and we've come. You have come further than you probably think, um, but it is a, a lifelong journey, and um, and I think that anything shared is made. The load is made easier if you share your journey with other people who support you, and um, and as a supporter, it's I think the best thing is to be yourself and and keep your sense of humour and if not shy away from conversations and difficult conversations and and just be that solid, consistent person that can, um, you know, sometimes it might be that you don't back your own cooking, which I don't, but making a meal. Like Angela used to feed Nikki in, and she was a vegetarian but she would cook meat for Nikki and just caring and and randomly turning up and taking her places or going for a walk or getting her running or you know just different healthy different things that caring can take on so many different um ways and looks so different to different people but um just being present and being thoughtful is all you really need to do and a short text or an email or a care package I had care packages from cousins and aunts and my aunt came to Japan for a few months and um, sat at the hospital. We would travel to Japan and not speak the language, obviously. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. Um, you can get everything that you need in any circumstance and get around all of those things. Um, but everyone knew the big, you know, the big Aussies that were at the hospital and why we were there and who we were there for. And and um, and Nikki used to work and then go there every day and um yeah you, and and then when when we lost Oki we still surrounded her and I think that's the other thing when you've got anticipatory grief when you're anticipating somebody passing and then they pass don't forget that the person the grief has already started but of course it continues but it continues for a long time and the support needs to continue too and I think that's the other thing that we'll probably talk about a lot a, a lot is the the anticipatory grief, the 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 actual death of the person, and then the secondary losses that the person faces, and and we'll talk about those things, and then we'll talk about being the support person right through that, and continuing to offer that person the support. And before we finish, I just want to add, maybe this is so um, important for me to get this word, this information out there, because. I didn't have support from Oki's parents. So it sounds all lovely and rosy and I have got an amazing family and support, but his parents were not supportive. I can talk about that in an, another time. But um, he needed them. And luckily he had his Aussie family. And thankfully I have my Aussie family. So um, mind you, his brother and his uh, niece and nephew were fantastic and I love them and to the be. The neighbours, oh, the neighbours were amazing. And I 
love my Japanese family, my host family. There's so many beautiful people um, that I'm still in touch with. But I know how important the support is because I actually, there were so many times I needed a certain support from his parents and I didn't have that. So I'm sure I'll talk about that a little bit as well. Thank you for joining us today in our introductory podcast. Uh, this is very new for us and uh, it might be a little bit tricky at first for us to uh, get used to how to do this, but please stick around. If there's any topics you'd like us to cover, um, just send us an email. Uh, we have an email set up. It is widowhood.podcast at gmail.com. And uh, we'll be happy to. Uh, See, that's impressive. I didn't know yes. about that. <laughs> I got a little organised yesterday. <laughs> wow. Um, so we'll see you in our next episode very soon. Bye. Bye.